Welcome, 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 everyone. Welcome back to the Pace Place podcast. And today is going to be a special one, okay? So I'm coming from the book of John. And I absolutely love John because John is just amazing. In the book of John, as we know, it's the fourth gospel of the fourfold gospel, Okay, so the Gospel of John was probably the last of the four that was written. And I specifically like John because he mentions a lot of details that is not actually mentioned in the other Gospels. And so when we look at this, okay, we can see that in in Mark, Matthew and Luke, they mention a lot of things that are particularly similar in each account, in each book. But in the book of John, he leaves out some really significant events in the ministry of Jesus that Matthew, Mark, and Luke all include. But John leaves it out. So in it's, it's, it's just, it stands out because John is, you know, he always tells, he's the one that Jesus loved, okay? <laughs> Jesus loved them all. But the um the book of John definitely leaves out the birth of Jesus, the baptism of Jesus, even the temptation in the wilderness, okay? Um, the the confrontations with the demons, uh, Jesus preaching in parables, the Last Supper, the agony in the Garden of Gethsemane. I mean, it's a lot of things that is not actually mentioned in the book of John. Yet and still, it is filled with so much information that the other books did not account for. And I absolutely love that because it's coming from each person's perspective on what they got from or what they saw as they were walking and living and being taught by Christ. And so we're definitely going to be coming from the book of John chapter one, verses one and two. And as you guys know, cause I'm pretty sure everyone is familiar with this scripture, but in the beginning was the word. Okay. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so, yeah, you know, you may seem like, well, there's only two verses. Like, what is that? But it's a punch, a power punch of information that is in those two little tiny verses. And we're going to get into it because I love to get into Jesus. Okay. And I love to get into the word so that we can fully understand exactly what it is that Jesus has done for us since the beginning of time. And so. The book of John really, really stays on Jesus's accounts in Jerusalem. So the first three gospels uh, center Jesus's ministry in Galilee, but John centers his gospel on what Jesus said and did in Jerusalem. And I find that to be just a little interesting. Okay. Um, and just how the other accounts are just so different. And so even with John's account being so far off, he wanted us to know, and he shows us that Jesus came from heaven, demonstrating that Jesus is God. And even with the book of John, it is just so much. Okay. It, it can't even complete 
the story of Jesus and all of the things that he has done because it's just so much. And he actually tells us in chapter 21 that, um, let me go get it because <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say it wrong. So John 21 and 25, and it says, now there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the word itself cannot contain the books that would be written. So even though John has so many different accounts, so many different things from the first three other gospels, it's still not a completion of all of the things that Jesus has done. And it's absolutely amazing because who knows how many books it could have been if they were to write everything that Jesus has done. And so John shows us who Jesus is by highlighting seven signs or miracles that Jesus did. Okay, six of these miracles were not mentioned in the first three Gospels, which is absolutely amazing. The book of John also shows us who Jesus is by giving us Jesus' own words by himself expressed in seven dramatic I am statements. Okay, and these seven I am statements were not included in the other three Gospels also shows us who Jesus is by giving the testimony witness who testify about the identity of Jesus. Okay. And four of these witnesses speak in the first chapter alone. And so if you guys have not gotten into the book of John, I'm telling you the gospel of John is amazing. And I feel like it is written for a specific purpose that, you know, we might believe all of them is written that we might believe, but John, he just, it's like, it's a key verse for understanding the gospel of John. And it is found at the end of the book, which is, it's just like, why is it at the end and not at the beginning? But everything that is in the Gospels, each and every last one of them is there for a reason. But I absolutely love it. And I, I actually want to go ahead and read that scripture. And it says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Isn't that absolutely awesome? That is amazing. And I love it. Okay. And I just, you know, it just makes me wonder like, why is that all the way in chapter 20? So that was John chapter 20 and verse 31, that the things that is written in this book is so that we may believe in Jesus Christ, that he is the son of man, that he is the Christ. Okay, our Redeemer. Oh man, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. So let's get into the pre existence of the word logos. Okay, so the actual word means logos in Greek. Okay, and I absolutely love it. Okay, because what it is actually saying here, it is referring to one, Genesis chapter one. In the beginning refers to the timeless eternity of 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is absolutely amazing. When John wrote this, it actually would have said, when the beginning began, the word was already there. Okay, (laughs) the idea is that the word existed before creation or even time. And John makes it so perfectly clear that the word is not just the beginning, but it is the beginning of the beginning. Like what? He was there in the beginning before anything was. And I absolutely love that as he is saying it, it's just giving so much power to that verse, you know, in the beginning was the word for if we reach back to any beginning, it don't matter which one it is, there already existed the word. The word was already in existence. Okay. At once it is evident to John's vision, the word is no other than God, the self-existent, okay? The eternity, eternal, infinite God, the I am that I am, you know? And so I absolutely love that. And I absolutely just, it's just amazing at the way that it is written and the way that John really, I mean, straight out of the gate the first chapter first verse and it's just like come on let's get with it let's get with it so y'all can understand and know exactly who Jesus Christ is this description is given in order that we may at once grasp a continuous history which runs out of in unmeasurable past and the identity the identity of the person who is subject of that history okay it's it's Christ and I find that to be just amazing and then he says was the word okay I love it because the word is actually translated in Greek logos I just I said that in the beginning and the idea of logos has a deep and rich roots in the Jewish and the Greek thinking Okay, and this is what really got me because of the fact that John used this specific word logos, okay, as he was writing this, the Jewish and the Greek would have known exactly what John was talking about. They would have known that John is referring to logos and at end that he's referring to the Messiah, The one who was going to be sent by God. Okay, so the Jewish rabbis often refer to God in terms of his word. They spoke of God himself as the word of God. For example, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 17, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. To Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet the word of God. That's actually what it says if we read it in the Hebrew language. And I find that to be 
amazing. And there's so many instances in the Bible where the word of God appeared and the word of God uh, came onto Jeremiah. You know, it's, it's so amazing and how the word of God appears to the prophets and it appears with human like characteristics. It appears as a person, you know, and I find that to be awesome because even in that we can understand exactly what John is saying here, that the word of God is God. It is God himself. In the mind of the ancient Jews, the phrase, the word of God could be used and referred to God himself. Isn't that amazing? And for the Greek philosophers, when they saw and studied logos as the power that puts sense into the world, making the world orderly instead of chaotic. Okay. So the word logos was the power that set the world in perfect order and kept it in that perfect order. They saw logos as the ultimate reason that controlled all things. This is absolutely wonderful that each group of people would have understand so clearly, understood so clearly exactly what John is saying. So therefore, in this opening, John said to both Jews and Greeks, for centuries you've been talking, you've been thinking and writing about the word, the, the logos. Now I will tell you who he is. John met both the Jews and the Greeks where they were at and explained Jesus in terms they already understood. That is awesome. That is absolutely amazing. When we can break that down, John was using a term which with various shades of meaning was in a common use everywhere. He can reckon on all men catching his essential meaning. They would have instantly knew the word being used was already in use. Okay? It was already in use by them. And in that word being in use, it conceived the idea or it conceived God's connection with the world. John takes it and he uses us to denote the revealer of the incomprehensible and invisible God. How amazing. How amazing. It's absolutely awesome because he's bringing identity to the God who people that has been serving for years because there's numerous of people in this time that did not know that Jesus was the Messiah. They just didn't know. They just didn't. Or if some people didn't know, and then some people just didn't believe. With this brilliant statement, Okay, John sets forth one of the most basic foundations of our faith, the Trinity. We can follow John's logic, okay? There is 
a being known as the word, okay? The being is God because he is eternal in the beginning, right? In Before the foundation of the world, this being is God. The word was God. He, he plainly says it, okay? And then at the same time, this being does not encompass all that God is. God the Father is a distinct person from the Word. The Word was with God. That is awesome. That is awesome. Man, I love the way John really broke this down because when we can really get it, man, and it's like we can clearly see, okay, how God the Father is his own person and also the word is his own person because he says it. The word was with God. So the father and the son, the son is known here as the word, okay, are equally God yet distinct in their person. The father is not the son and the son is not the father, yet they are equally God with God, the Holy Spirit, making one God in three persons. How amazing is that? Everything that can be said about God, the father can be said about God, the son. In Jesus dwells all the wisdom, all the glory, all the power, all the love, all the holiness, justice, goodness, and truth of the father. In him, God the Father is known. And that is absolutely, it's just, it's awesome. When we can really just look at this scripture and see how John breaks it all the way down. Absolutely amazing. And I just love it. He was in the beginning with God. And so this this seems to be a repetition of what was said in the first verse. But it is stated over again to guard the doctrine and to prevent the possibility of a mistake. John really wanted us to know and to understand exactly who Jesus is is. John has said that he existed before the creation and that he was with God. He was not a God, like how the Watchtower Bible is trying to portray Jesus as just some little G God. In verse 2, that the union that they had existed in the beginning. Before the creation, he now expresses that idea and ensures us 
that that union was not one which was commenced in time, okay, but before time. And it wasn't a union of mere feelings, okay? That it wasn't a union that was between two beings, like two human beings, that when we create bonds with one another, but was one that existed in eternity. And that union is a union of essence to one another. And that is absolutely amazing at just how John is really getting us to see the full picture of the son and of the father as one. Even in these two verses, the divine wisdom, the Lord possessed Okay, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. And just that the fact that John was able to experience this, he experienced that properly divine order that comes from the Father and the Son. He tells us first that the word in the beginning of the world existed. And then that he existed with God. And last of all, that he was God and made all things. That's amazing. And it is, it's actually written this way to show the importance of the truth of the truth, namely the eternity of Christ, his distinct personality and proper deity. And that the, the, the phrase in the beginning is to be joined to each of the above sentences And so proves that not only his eternal existence, but his eternal existence with the father and also his eternal deity and is also made to carry on the thread of the discourse concerning the word and not God the father. Okay, and to express not only his coexistence in nature, but his coexistence in operation, in the works of creation. And I, I, that's awesome. That's absolutely amazing. Because even in the rest of the book, It shows his cooperation in creation and just how nothing existed without him. God is awesome. Okay. And so that is it for today. And I'm going to go ahead and pray us on out. I hope that was edifying for you guys to really understand and know 
just what God has in store for each and every last single one of us and just how in the beginning was the word of God, which is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he was also with the Father and he is also God. So even though he came down, he laid down his divinity to come down here and die for our iniquity and our sins on the cross for us to be redeemed. He was still fully God and he was fully man. Who better is there to intercede on our behalf When God said, let there be light, let there be a firmament, let the earth bring forth, etc., etc., it was done. And our Lord and Savior was right there in the beginning. God exhibits his creative power through the word and manifests his will through the word. There are mysteries belonging to the divine nature and to the relation between the Father and the Son that we have to wait for eternity to solve. But that's okay because we know enough to know that in the beginning, He was there. They are too deep for human solution, but this is clear. That God creates and speaks to man through the word. Oh, man. So as we go forth today, as we clothe our thoughts in words, God reveals his will by the word. And when that word is clothed in flesh as the teacher of men, we recognize it. As Jesus Christ, we recognize it as our Lord and our Savior. And so as we go forth today, let's recognize the word of God in our lives. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord God, for today. We thank you for what has gone forth in this podcast today, Father. We thank you just because of who you are in our lives. Oh, Father God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that the word was in the beginning with you, in relation with you, in fellowship with you, in communication with you. We thank you that the word is God. We thank you that you have saw it fit for us to be redeemed, Father God. That you sent your only begotten son down here as the word clothed in flesh to redeem us from all of our iniquity and our sin. Father God, we thank you. Oh, hallelujah. As we go forth in the rest of this day, Father, we just ask you to renew our minds. Allow us to understand exactly who you are. Open your word into our spirit, Lord God, so that it may dwell in our hearts and we may never depart from it, Father God, so that when we open our mouths, the word of God comes out. That people may see us and think that we 
are the light. We are Christ-like characters, Father God. I ask you to elevate our consciousness, Lord God. Allow us to think upon those things that are of you, Father God, and nothing else. Don't allow us to think on the things that are negative, but all things that are positive, all things that are good. As we continue on our journeys with you, Father God, we ask you just to continue to order our steps, Father. Order our steps in the way that we should go, in the way of your will, in the way of your way, Father God. Your son tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we walk in the way of the one who is the mediator between us, Father God, who is the intercessor on our behalf, who is our high priest. And so we just continue to thank you. We continue to praise you. We continue to honor you that we have the capability and the access to even come to you in prayer, Father God. Because we have accepted what your son has done for us at the cross, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for the triune God that you are, the three in one. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells in us, that leads us into all truths. We thank you that you didn't see it fit for us to be left dead in our sin. And so as we go forth today, we give you all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. And I pray this prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Thank you all for joining me here on the Pace Place podcast. I am your host, Latrell Pace, and I will catch you all later. You guys go out, have a beautiful day and be awesome people. And remember, God loves you and God be with you all.